As we continue to worship, uh, as we continue to worship this morning, uh, turn in your Bibles to Deuteronomy chapter six, and uh, we will look at uh, God's word today together. Uh, glad to see you all, and um, pray that God continues to uh, stir us up uh, toward Him today. Let me pray as you uh, turn there. Father God in heaven, thank you for uh, your goodness to your people throughout generations. God, we thank you that you are a great God, that you are good, that you are holy that you are amazing, and because of those things, you have chosen to show your goodness to your people, uh, God, undeserving people, wayward people. And Lord, as we open your scriptures, we see glimpses of your goodness to your people. And God, I pray that we would uh, glean some of that goodness this morning, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would give us understanding in our minds, and that you would, um, by your Spirit, soften our hearts to receive uh, the good news, Lord, that you would stir us up to repentance of sin and idols, and self-sufficiency, a God, that you would calm our hearts from distraction and our, our minds from trouble, Lord, that we would seek you as our ultimate rest and salvation and security. Uh, so, God, we give you this time. We pray that you would use it for your glory and our joy, and that the gospel would go forth in Christ's name. Amen. Deuteronomy chapter 6, we'll start in verse 10. <clears throat> And when the Lord your God brings you into the land that he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, to give you with great and good cities that you did not build, and houses full of all good things that you did not fill, and cisterns that you did not dig, and vineyards and olive trees that you did not plant, and when you eat and are full, then take care lest you forget the Lord, who brought you out of the land and of Egypt, out of a house of slavery, it is the Lord your God you shall fear. Him you shall serve, and by his name you shall swear. You shall not go after other gods, the gods of the peoples who are around you. The Lord your God in your midst is a jealous God, lest the anger of the Lord your God be kindled against you, and he destroy you from off the face of the earth. You shall not put the Lord your God to the test, as you tested him at Massa. You shall diligently keep the commandments of the Lord your God and his testimonies and his statutes, which he commanded you. And you shall do what is right and good in the sight of the Lord, that it may go well with you, and that you may go in and take possession of the good land that the Lord swore to give your fathers by thrusting out all your enemies before you as the Lord has promised. When your son asks you in time to come, what is the meaning of the testimonies and the statutes and the rules of the Lord your God, the Lord our God has commanded you? Then you shall say to your son, We were Pharaoh's slaves in Egypt. And the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand. And the Lord showed signs and wonders, great and grievous, against Egypt and against Pharaoh and all his household before our eyes. And he brought us out from there, that he might bring us in and give us the land that he swore to give to our fathers. And the Lord commanded us to do all these statutes, to fear the Lord our God for our good always, that he might preserve us alive as we are this day. And it will be righteousness for us, if we are careful to do all this commandment before the Lord our God as he has commanded us. This is God's word. Friends, God makes good on his promises. And he commands diligent faithfulness for our good and for his glory. And this is possible for us in Christ alone. It's good news. Do you like superheroes, you know, movies, 
comic books, cartoons, whatever. Uh, it seems like uh, right now there's a, there's a lot of good movies out there if you like superheroes. And uh, we like Spider-Man at our house, my son and I. And you know, if you're familiar with the movies, you know, I'm thinking of the Tobey Maguire movies. You know, there's this one scene where he like sits in the car with his uncle, and his uncle says, "With great power comes great responsibility." You know what I'm talking about? So with, with great power comes great responsibility. And it's pretty common with any superhero movie or story, you'll see that the, you know, the hero is struggling with how to use his power. Can you use your power for your own benefit, for your own good, or do you use the power to help others? I mean, you could have a, a certain strength and a power and an opportunity to, to benefit yourself only, or you can go serve others, or you could do something wicked or do something good, right? Now, in the Bible... The Bible's not full of superheroes. You know, if you look at the Bible, any quote-unquote hero of the Bible actually is a tragic mess. <laughs> uh, there's one hero in the Bible. Um, his name is Jesus. Uh, but everyone else is pretty much a mess. And as I think about uh, this passage and as what we've seen in the first six chapters of Deuteronomy, if you're familiar with the Exodus story, God has set his people free from bondage slavery in Egypt. They had been there for a few generations. And God, out of his own goodness, said, I'm going to set you free from this. I'm going to take you over to a, to a land that I've promised your fathers, and I, and I will bless you there. It will go well for you uh, because I'm your God. You're my people. And because of that, I want you to live a certain way. I want you to live differently. I mean, it, you have this great opportunity before you, and, and with that comes responsibility responsibility to live a certain way, not only for your own good, but for the good of those who come after you, your children, your children's children, and so that those around would see my goodness. So in the same way, I mean, none of us are, are Spider-Man or superheroes, but if you are in Christ, you have been given an opportunity, a responsibility to live differently because of who God is. There's, there's, a, there's a, a power we have by God's Spirit to live as his people, and it's a responsibility we have to honor him, and to serve others, and to find our ultimate joy. And so we look at this passage here as God is instructing his people um, to live a certain way. We, we saw the, the Ten Commandments in chapter 5. We saw the Shema last week. We've seen now that God continues to say, the responsibility you have to live as my people is characterized by diligent faithfulness. We could sum up all of the commandments that God has given in chapter 5 and, and, and elsewhere in Deuteronomy. He says, I want you to live a certain way with diligent faithfulness for my glory, for your good, and so that others will see the goodness of my name. And that's what we see in chapter 6 here. So we talk about diligent faithfulness today for God's people, not only in Deuteronomy, but for you and I today. If you are here today and you are a Christian, you have the responsibility to live in diligent faithfulness. Now the good news is God, God commands us to do that for his glory and our joy and for the good of others. The bad news is you can't do it on your own. The good news is that Christ does it on our behalf and then empowers us to live life differently. So we're going to look at that today, both from an Old Testament and a New Testament perspective. We'll see, we'll see Israel, we'll see us, we'll see how Jesus brings it all together for us. So I want to talk about what it means to live in diligent faithfulness, and I'll sum it up uh, in these uh, three categories. Diligent faithfulness involves first receiving God's gracious gift. Secondly, diligent faithfulness involves obeying his commands. And thirdly, diligent faithfulness involves 
teaching his goodness to others. Sounds pretty simple, right? As we look at this, I will go ahead and say from the onset, we probably do two of these things maybe, but probably not all three. And even if you do all three, chances are you're doing them in your own strength and not the strength of the Lord. So let's just have a downer real quick and let's look at the Word of God, shall we? So first, let's talk about diligent faithfulness as it involves receiving God's gracious gift. Look, Because when we look at the Old Testament, it is a true epic story that really happened. But this, is, this is actual things that happened. God actually spoke to his people. He actually did these miraculous things. But this story also is to, is to display something that's to come later in and through Jesus Christ. So this is several hundred years before Jesus, but this, this story is actually kind of foreshadowing what Christ will do for his people for all time. So, so we have to see how all these things parallel here. So first I want us to see diligent faithfulness involves receiving God's gracious gift. Look at the first, uh, verse 10 and, uh, the verse 10. We'll start there. Uh, when the Lord your God brings you into the land that he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob, to give you with great and good cities that you did not build, and houses full of good things that you did not fill, and cisterns that you did not dig, and vineyards and olive trees that you did not plant, and when you eat and are full, then take care lest you forget the Lord who brought you out of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. See, we see here that God, his people saw him do amazing things. But it's a condition of the human heart that the second things start going well for us, we forget how we got to be in that happy situation, right? I mean, God's warning them, saying, look, I'm going to give you this land that I promised your fathers, and you're going to move into houses you didn't even build. There's food there to eat that you didn't do anything to store up. There's uh, wells you can get water out of. You didn't even dig. Things are going to go really well for you. Why? Because he's God, and he's trying to bless his people. He's wanted to do good things for his people. But it's the condition of the human heart when things are going well to think, you know what? I deserve this. I worked hard for this. I mean, I got money in the bank because I've been working hard. I, I have a big house because I've been working hard for this. You know, things are going well for me because I deserve it, because I've worked hard. I mean, they have been slaves for a few generations. And before they even get into the land, God is warning them, because that's just the, the universal condition of every human heart on the planet, is that in a moment of fruitfulness, we forget that God's gifts are gifts of grace to his people, not gifts that are earned, not gifts that are deserved. And so God says, take care, lest you forget the Lord. Take care. You will forget the Lord if things are going well. The potential exists to take credit for things going well. And it could be very tangible things like, like you know, money or your house or your career or education or whatever. It could be very broad spiritual things like, well, of course God loves me because I've never cheated on my taxes. Of course, of course God's loved me because I'm, I, I'm very moral. I don't curse. I don't drink. I don't smoke. I'm, I give away a lot of my, my money. Of course God will love and accept me. See, it's very easy to take credit for God's love and acceptance of you if you think you're doing things right. On the flip side of that, it's very easy to despair and think, well, if I don't do these things, God doesn't love me, God doesn't accept me. See, this story tells us something about God's character and his nature is that he is gracious and does good things for his people because he is a good God, not because they deserve anything. 
I mean, they are, are complaining every step of the way. God has done amazing miracles, and they're like, well, we don't like what's on the menu tonight, Lord. I mean, we've been slaves for a couple generations, but at least the food there was good. Are you kidding me? But that's the condition of the human heart. But you see what happens here is God says something. Verse 10, the Lord your God brings you into a land. To, to be brought in, that's a very passive thing for the person. I mean, to be brought into the land, it is, it is an implication that the Lord our God is doing the bringing. He's, he's carrying them in is, the, is what we see here. It's like there's a lot of babies around here. I love that. I love kids. And if you see some of the parents walking down the hall today, these newborns are not doing anything to bring themselves into this building. Are they? I mean, it would be pretty miraculous to see a three-week-old just bringing itself into the building. Hey, I'm here. Whoa. That would be totally freaky. Unless they're like a Cylon or something. Anyway, if you, to be brought in is a very passive thing as a person. I mean, God is, is, is a father carrying his children into the land. That's the image we see here. To, to, the Lord your God brings you. He carries you into the land. It's something that is done for you on your behalf. Just like the Lord has brought them out of Egypt, he is bringing them into a new land. Isn't that remarkable? And if we want to live lives of diligent faithfulness to the Lord, we, we have to start there. We can't say, well, I'm faithful to the Lord because I do X, Y, and Z. I'm faithful to the Lord because my character is X, Y, and Z. No. We have to back up a second and say, you know what? Diligent faithfulness begins with God just being gracious. It begins with the Lord, not you, not me, not what we do or what we have done. And on one hand, that is very freeing to think that God is doing gracious things for his people and nothing you have done can mess that up. Isn't that freeing? I mean, it should be to think that, that no, no matter what your track record looks like in college, no matter what you've done, maybe you've squandered your finances, maybe you've done some immoral things, maybe you've made some very foolish decisions, we, there comes a moment where we stop and we say, look, let's not look at your resume and track record. Let's look at the Lord's track record, shall we? Let's see what he's done for his people. That's why the Lord says, look, I'm bringing you into the land. You're not bringing yourself. I'm bringing you. I'm carrying you like a loving father. And then he busts out his resume and says, hey, by the way, I swore this to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Like, the Lord has a better resume than any of us. So to be diligently faithful means we rest in receiving the gracious gift of the Lord. He carries them out of Egypt. He carries them into the land. He provides food, water, dwelling, vineyards, things for them, not by their own hand. This is very physical and tangible, but it's pointing to something greater. And we'll get there. So first, I want us to pause and think just for a minute. Just spend 18 seconds. Let's go there. Thinking about what God has done in your life. If you just think about where you are, I mean, whether you're in a good season or a hard season, just reflect back and think, man, God, God was really faithful. God was really faithful to, to, to give me a family to lean on or to give me a spouse or to give us children or to give us a career or to, to give us a place to live. God has really brought me out of 
this stronghold of sin or struggle or brokenness. God has really helped heal me from this past hurt from my childhood. What is it God has done for you? What is it he's actively doing now? Because before we can jump into how we must live, we have to first see who God is and what he's done. And it begins in receiving the gracious gift because of his goodness. But secondly, I want us to see there is some active component for you and I. In response to the being carried, being brought in, being being cared for by a father who loves his children, there's a response, and that involves active obedience. Because look what happens here. There's a command. There's always a command in Scripture, but the, the commands are always based on God's goodness and what he's done. Anytime you look in Scripture, if you see like the Lord says to do something or Jesus says do this, look around like just before that or just after to read the whole context and you'll see that every command in Scripture is based on something in God's character, something good that he's done. That's, that's the good news because God doesn't just throw you out there and say, you better muster up your own strength and goodness. He never does that. He always says, hey, I want you to live this way. I'm going to instruct you. Here's my command. Here's my statute. It's based on my good character and what I've done. So that's just a freebie. Read your Bible. But here's what God says here in verse 12. Take care. That's Hey, take care. That's the commandment. Take care lest you forget the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. It is the Lord your God. You shall fear. Him shall you serve. By his name shall you swear. You shall not go after other gods, the gods of the peoples who are around you, for the Lord your God is in your midst, is a jealous God. You know, he is in your midst. Isn't that awesome? The Lord your God is in your midst. We can't miss that. You know, the the culture of the day was like gods were very far off, so you had to do certain things to conjure up your deity. So, well, we need to sacrifice this thing to get that God to come this way, or if we can do X, Y, and Z, then we can conjure up the presence of our deity. Not so with the true God of the Bible. That's what I, I love about it. The Lord your God is in your midst. Boom. That's before you even do anything, right? You don't have to do these things to conjure up the Lord. Your obedience does not conjure up the presence of the Lord. The Lord is present. Because he's present, take care lest you forget it's the Lord you shall serve, the Lord you shall fear, by the Lord's name you shall swear. Don't go after other gods. He's in your midst. He's a jealous God. Verse 16, don't put the Lord your God to the test. You shall, verse 17, diligently keep the commandments of the Lord and the testimonies. Verse 18, you shall do what is right and good in the sight of the Lord, that it may go well with you. Man, see, I get really excited because in our Christian culture today, we can swing one of two ways. Typically, we can say, all right, you have to be a very strict moralist to do things or else. Or you can swing so far on the side of grace, which is not really an understanding of grace, by the way, if you say, I don't have to do anything. I mean, I don't have to obey the Lord. I'm saved by grace. Friends, that's not an understanding of grace at all. If you think that God's grace in Christ is given to you so that you can squander it, you don't get grace. Right? I have so many brothers and sisters in Christ that say, the Lord has saved me, therefore I can sleep with whoever I want. I can do whatever I want. I can just live however. I mean, yeah, Spider-Man says with great power comes great responsibility, but look look at the Lord. 
The Lord says, I have freed you by my grace. I have given you this land. I am blessing you as I've promised to bless your fathers before you. I'm giving you all of this stuff because I am good and I'm in your midst and I'm present. Therefore, live differently. Be diligently faithful because you are my people, because I am your God. Verse 12, he says, take care lest you forget. There's a remember. Remember who the Lord is and what he's done. That comes down later too, uh, toward the end of the passage as well. When he talks about, we'll get there in a minute, he talks about teaching your kids. Like when your kids come up and say, hey, what's going on? You say, well, let me tell you, let me remember with you what the Lord has done for his people. Right? We are forgetful people, man. And we, it's a human condition that we won't run to the Lord until we're in the midst of a crisis. Constant crisis. There are crises all around us right now. There's some personal crises in my family right now. There's some crises within families of this church. Man, we are surrounded by crises. And in those moments, may we run to the Lord. But may we run to the Lord even when things are going well. That's, that's why there's the warning. Hey, things are going well. Don't forget God. He's in your midst. He's dwelling with you. He gave you all of this. Remember. See, we are forgetful people. We, we just were forgetful. I mean, maybe if the Lord had Twitter, maybe we'd be more in tune to what he's doing. But we just, we have, we have the Bible, but sometimes we forget who God is and what he's done. So we have to remember. That's why we, we encourage you to read the Bible, to see what God's done. We encourage you to meet in community with other believers in this church and friends, missional communities, DNA groups, whatever. Meet together and just talk about what God's doing. We'll forget otherwise. Because it's really easy to say, well, I have my Bible, I don't need community. And then your Bible stays on the shelf for two weeks, and you've not connected with other believers. And in the midst of that two-week period, you start to forget who God is and what he's done. It happens. It happens to me a lot. But if I don't look at the Bible, if I don't connect with other believers, I'm, I'm really quick to forget what God's doing in our midst. So friends, remember who God is. Meet together. Study his word. See what he's doing. Uh, it says, fear and serve the Lord, to, to worship him. It's really easy to look around and say, well, um, you know, let me serve uh, this. Uh, I'm pretending I'm a Hebrew at this. Let me serve the land since it's bearing the crops and the fruit. Let me serve, you know, the cistern that's producing the water. Let me serve the house, you know. Didn't build it, but let me just take care of it. It's easy for you and I to get that way too to like base our whole personhood around our career or around our education or around any opportunity. Those aren't bad things. Those are good things. It's, you shouldn't quit your job and abandon your family and burn your house down and move to the woods. You shouldn't do that. That's not what God says here. God doesn't say, hey, forsake all of that stuff. He says, no, those are gifts. Those are good things. I'm giving you those things. But in your, in your fruitfulness, remember who gave it to you. Right? I, Friends, I want, I want all of you to succeed in your careers. I want you to pursue excellence in your job and your education and your family and in your creativity. Man, I get so excited. I mean, there's, there's artists and musicians and dancers and teachers and moms and dads and grandparents in this room. And there's some of you guys have businesses and some of you guys are doing like medical stuff and military stuff and language and some of you guys do stuff you're not allowed to talk about. That's so cool. 
right? Do, do well with that. That's beautiful to do those wonderful things. And, and if God brings such fruitfulness and you're like, man, I just love my job and I love my house, I love my family, and look, we're making money at work and this is great. Man, praise the Lord. I mean, I'm not saying that flippantly. I mean, like, praise the Lord. But don't forget the Lord in that. Don't abandon it. No, go in. God's saying, look, here's the gift. But praise the Lord in the midst of that. All right? Also, some other things here. You should not put the Lord your God to the test in verse 16. You know, Jesus quotes that to Satan in the New Testament. So, like, if you're ever tempted by Satan, quote Deuteronomy. Right, it's a more or less story, but there's so much more to it because what happens is, is God's people are doubting God's goodness. Right During the Exodus journey, there's numerous times that God's people are doubting God's goodness, and, and they said, well, God, if you really this, then do this for us. Like, test the Lord. Like, we, we don't trust you. You've got to prove it. Like, all of this is not proof enough. <laughs> And so Satan tempts Jesus the same way. In Matthew and in Luke, if you see when he's wandering in the wilderness, Satan comes and says, hey, look, you know, why, don't, why don't you worship me? You know, I'll give you this kingdom. Why don't you turn these rocks into bread? You know? and, and, and Jesus quotes Deuteronomy three times in that, and this is one of the things he says. Don't put the Lord your God to the test. Right? Why? God's character can stand on its own. God's character is good enough in his own right. We do not test him. Testing the Lord is a sign of, of doubt. So we need to remember who the Lord is. Remember what he's done. Verse 17 and 18, we, we keep his commandments. This is, this is awesome. I got so excited about this this week. I've already shared with some friends, so you get to hear it twice. Verse 17, you shall diligently keep the commandments of the Lord your God and his testimonies and his statutes that he commanded you. And you shall do what is right and good in the sight of the Lord, that it may go well with you, and that you might take possession of the land that the Lord swore to give to your fathers. This excited me so much this week as I was studying this passage. To, to do right and good, to keep the commandments of the Lord is an active thing you do. You, you do right, you do good. Right means to be, if we see the word in this context, right or righteousness, it, it means to, that things are, are right between you and the Lord and right with other people. Uh, just some theological um, avenues we can go down when we explore righteousness, but in this context it's specifically with being right with the Lord and being right with others. And, and I love how obedience is an active thing you do. You do right with the Lord. You do right with each other. And then Scripture says to do good. Now this blew my mind this week, and I hope I can communicate it. Doing good, we tend to think, just means to, like, to be moral. Like just to say, well, I'm not smoking pot in church. So I must be doing good. To do good, and this comes up in the New Testament, to do good works is actually not just doing like moral things, but it, it has the image of like bringing something beautiful into the world. It's like a creative thing that you do. Now, so how, does that change anything for anybody? When, when God's word says, go do good, and you think, well, I'm doing good by picking up the litter in the yard. Well, that's, that's one thing. But what about, what about 
That's a responsive, like, good action. But what, what is a proactive good thing that you do? Like, what, what is something in your life that you are doing that is bringing beauty to the world? What, what is it? I mean, you'll go to work tomorrow, some of you, and you will, like, slice off a cancerous something. That's beautiful. It's gross. But it's beautiful. You are, do, you are bringing something beauty, beautiful into the world. I mean, some of you will, will, will administer healing things to people, medical people. I'm not one of those, <laughs> obviously. Some of you, some of you will instruct children at school. You are bringing, you're bringing something beautiful to the minds of children, right, or youth. Right, some of you guys will uh, interact with people at work or in your family or, or the way you are, uh, this is cool, the way you are taking care of your home and your neighborhood. I mean, you, would, you, you can actively do things to bring beauty into the world. I have to give credit where it's due. This is not something, uh, this came from a guy named N.T. Wright, who is a brilliant guy with an accent and a beard. And he is a, a bishop of Durham. He's an Anglican guy. Don't tell anybody that we're quoting Anglican people here. And he was actually referring to like the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 5, uh, of being like an active bringing beauty into the world. That resonates with me as a musician, because you can say as a musician, well, I'm doing good because I tuned my guitar. Well, if you're a musician, tuning your guitar is not, is not really cutting it, right? You've got you to play the thing. At some point, right? You can say, I'm a great pianist, but uh, I, just, I just dusted off the piano. Was that a good thing? Maybe, but to actually do good means to sit down and play a sonata. Or if you are a dancer, you can lace up your dance shoes. Um, like Reggie's into breakdancing. I mean, Reggie, if he breakdances, it's a beautiful thing. So whatever it is that God has placed you in, how are you doing good and doing right? I just, I love that there because there's a message of stewardship, right? God doesn't say, move into the land I gave you. Here's the houses. Here's the vineyards. Here's the cisterns. Now just don't smoke pot. Don't cuss. Don't just live neutrally and don't get in anybody's way. And that's doing good and doing right. Not at all. God says, when you move in there, thrive, flourish, Bring beauty to this land that I'm giving you. Bring beauty to the house that I gave you. Bring beauty to the job that I gave you. Bring beauty to the neighborhood. Bring beauty to the family. Bring beauty with your talents in your realm of influence. Do good. Do it. Do it. Why? Because God is good. Look, when you do good things, you are reflecting our good God. When you do right things, you are reflecting the righteousness of God. You are not conjuring up the presence of the Lord. You are not conjuring up his favor or his love for you. You are reflecting his love and favor that he gave you because he's just a gracious God. You're with me? This changes everything, I think, as we go tomorrow and you're around the water cooler at work and somebody tells a dirty joke and you're like, well, I don't tell dirty jokes. You know what would be cooler than that? Is if you brought some really rad joke to the table and you created laughter in your office. That's not, it's not a minute thing. It's, it's a very positive act of obedience. If you actively bring something good and beautiful to the out. I'm going to talk more about this because I've been camped out on this all week. Love N.T. Wright, man. He's brilliant. And he has a beard and an accent. So what ways are you doing good and right in the sight of the Lord? On the flip side, what ways are you failing? I fail at it all the time. 
I tend to be safe and say, I'd rather not risk it. I'm just going to step back, and as long as I don't do X, Y, and Z, I'm good. No, step outside that box with the boldness of the Lord and go do something good, do something right. Thirdly, so we see diligent faithfulness involves receiving the grace of God. Secondly, it's an active obedience, something you do based on who God is and what he's done, reflecting his goodness. And thirdly, it involves teaching others, showing others, displaying others, leaving a legacy. Verse 20 through 25 says this, When your son asks you in... When your son asks you in time to come, what is the meaning of the testimonies and the statutes and the rules of the Lord our God has commanded you? You shall say to your son, we were Pharaoh's slaves in Egypt. The Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand. The Lord showed us signs and wonders great and grievous against Egypt, against Pharaoh and all his household before our eyes. He brought us from there that he might bring us in. See? Just talking about how, how good God is. Not look what we've done, people. Son, look at me. Look at the kingdom I've built for you. Nope. You say, look what God did. He brought us out. He carried us like a father. He, he's bringing us in. He's carrying us like a father to give us this land that he swore to give our fathers. Verse 24, the Lord commanded us to do all these statutes, to fear the Lord our God for our good always, that he might preserve us alive as we are this day. Verse 25, it will be righteousness for us. If we are careful to do all this commandment before the Lord our God as he has commanded us, righteousness, it means it will be right between us and God and us and each other. Things are going to go really well. If we are diligently faithful to remember we are receiving the grace of God, we are actively obeying, and we have to teach, we have to leave a legacy. So what kind of legacy are you leaving? Like who is in your realm of influence that you can, you can teach? Like you don't have to hold people down at the office and just preach and beat them over the head with the Bible, sometimes that is necessary. But a lot of times it is reflecting God's goodness to people. How are you, how are you teaching that to your coworkers, your fellow students at school, those in your neighborhood, those in your family? Are you, what kind of legacy are you leaving? Because on your gravestone, if it says, this guy was a great businessman, and they don't, they don't see the glory of the Lord in that. That's, that's not a win. Or if they say, this, this, this guy was a killer guitar player. That's cool, but you reflect the God's, God's goodness in that. So diligent faithfulness is receiving, obeying, and teaching. It's all based on the promise that things will go well and right. So here's what I want us to see. Sounds great and good, right? You're all, you're all motivated to like receive grace and go obey and do good and teach others. I am, but here's... The deal. You're going to fail. You're going to drop the ball. Do it all the time. It's, it's much easier to brag about our own goodness than the goodness of the Lord. It's easier to say, well, you know, Jeremy, why are you such an amazing guitar player? Well, because I practice a lot. And I went to Augusta State University on a scholarship, classical guitar. Really? It's a true story. <laughs> Which is why I worked at the pizza joint for two years anyway. That degree looked great. See, we are all broken. We are all sinners. We seek to be diligently faithful, but we're not. We're not always diligent. We're sometimes fickle. We're not always faithful. Sometimes we are unfaithful when we say, you know what, I'm trying to honor the Lord with this, but you know, if I kind of honor myself, it feels a little better. Or if I honor somebody else, maybe they'll pay me more. See, we're broken. We're sinful. We can sometimes 
get prideful about our circumstances and forget to thank the Lord that he brought us into them. Or sometimes we can think, man, these circumstances are really hard. Maybe the Lord is not good after all, and we can forget the Lord. We are all there at some point, and if you're not there now, be careful because you will be. Everybody gets there, and if you're honest, you will admit to it, and you should be honest quicker because here's the good news. When we do that, things don't go well for us. It is not righteousness. We're not right with the Lord. We're not right with each other. Because if you're taking credit for things going well, you're not right with the Lord. You're, you're robbing him of his glory and goodness. If you're uh, striving to do better and try harder in your own strength, you're probably going to step on those around you rather than serve them, and therefore things won't be right with those around you. But here's the good news. If we fast forward to the New Testament... We see that Jesus is the perfect, diligently faithful Son of God. If you read the Gospels, you will see that Jesus is diligently faithful to God and to his people. Jesus did not take lightly the the opportunity he received from God the Father to come to the earth, Philippians 2 says. He didn't squander that. He, He received that and stepped into it. He obeyed perfectly the law of God. He was diligently faithful in teaching and displaying the gospel to others because he is Christ. I mean, and through his faithfulness, we can step in to be right with the Lord and each other. Since Jesus is the perfect, diligently faithful son of God, we in turn can be diligently faithful. Here's how. First, we see God's provision through Christ. Paul writes in Philippians 4.19, My God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. We see God's provision through Jesus Christ, therefore we trust, as Romans 10.3 says, For being ignorant of the righteousness of God and seeking to establish their own, they did not submit to God's righteousness. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. You want things to go right? With you and God and you and others, turn to Christ. Jesus is the embodiment of God's provision for diligent faithfulness. Right? We want to receive God's gracious gift. Jesus is the provision for that. We trust him. We see if we want to obey, we want to actively obey as diligent, faithful people of God, we have to rest in the obedience of Christ on our behalf. Matthew 5.17 Jesus says, do not think I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. Luke 24:44. he said to them, these are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. You see, all of the Old Testament is, is pointing us to Jesus. These beautiful, true, epic events that God did for his people are all to lead us to Jesus in the New Testament. And because of Jesus' obedience to fulfill the law, we therefore can obey. Like he says in Matthew 19, 17, if you would enter life, keep the commandments. And Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 15, Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. Like God promises our obedience, things will go well for his people if we obey, but it's because of his grace and goodness that he works through that, and we obey because Christ obeyed perfectly on our behalf. Therefore, we have freedom to strive to diligent, faithful obedience. 
And because of Christ, things will go well for us. I love this, man. If you read in the New Testament, the epistles, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, 2 Thessalonians, all of them say this, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Whoa. You can't read the Bible without seeing the goodness of God to his people and peace being rest, rightness between God and his people. Things are well. You read any book of the Bible, you see grace to you and peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And of course, Romans 8.28. We know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. So friends, I want to ask you, what does diligent faithfulness look like in your life? Do you forget the Lord, or are you resting and receiving the gift of God through Jesus Christ? Are you obeying in your own strength out of pride or out of fear, or or are you obeying, resting in the finished work of Christ who did everything perfectly on your behalf, and by His Spirit empowers us to obey now. And then thirdly, diligently faithful, are we, are we teaching? Are we, are we telling others about the goodness of God, or are we pointing to our own selves, or are we pointing even to our flaws, <laughs> or pointing to their flaws, or are we, are we displaying the goodness of God and the opportunities He gave us? If you're here today and you're not a believer, we want you to, to know the Christ who makes this possible and to know God the Father who loves you and accepts you in Christ and who changes everything for you for his glory and for your good. If you're not a Christian, please come talk to me. I want to, I want to talk, talk to you more about Jesus. That's what we want you to know. Not do better, not try harder, not shame on you, not pride, not fear, not shame, but God's goodness for you in Christ. So come talk to me or somebody you trust. If you're not a believer, we want to talk to you. For those of you who are Christians like me, you join me in repenting because we easily forget the work of the Lord. Well, we tend to forget receiving the grace of God, and we tend to just focus on the obedient aspect or maybe the teaching aspect. We usually do two out of those three, and we often do those two out of our own strength and not the strength of the Lord. So repent with me because I'm guilty of it this week. Just this week. Had a hard week, y'all. I was moody. Funky. But God is good. So repent with me. And let us turn to Christ, the author and perfecter of our faith. Okay? Let me pray. Father God in heaven, you are a good and holy God. And I do thank you for your goodness to your people throughout all generations. Lord, I thank you for the finished work of Christ on our behalf. And pray that you would stir up our hearts. Uh, affection and our mind's attention and obedience uh, to your word, not so that you would love and accept us, but because in Christ you have loved and accepted us. And by your spirit you empower us to live differently. I pray that we would be diligently faithful uh, servants and stewards of the good news uh, to those around us. We pray this for your glory and our good and that the gospel would advance in Christ's name. Amen.